Let's face it. As consumers, we don't know what we don't know. Finances are an intricate puzzle. If you miss even one small piece, it can make a big difference and become out of focus. Welcome to Your Finances, Know You Can with Wesley Forster, President and Senior Financial Strategist at HSI Financial Group. In this podcast, Wes and his dedicated team of financial professionals provide the guidance you need to build your ideal financial lifestyle and reach your goals. Stop flushing money down the drain and losing it needlessly and unnecessarily. Join in as Wes empowers you to arrive at your destination and swap uncertainty for confidence and choose where you want to go. Now, on to the show. Wes Forster's guest has navigated the many moods of the market in his more than 30 years of business, operational, and investment experience. Before moving into the money management industry, David Fingold focused on core competencies, restructuring, and turning a business's operating losses into profits. Today, as a member of the Dynamic Investment Team, David is the lead portfolio manager for several U.S. and global strategies. So, Wes, please tell us more about David. Well, what, uh, what we do at HSI is we pick managers. And, you know, I think that that's what the, the public, the consumer misunderstands about what investment advisors should be doing is, and that's picking it at, at uh, portfolio managers. So be it a mutual fund manager or a segregated fund manager, that's what their job is to do. And here's the thing. Here's the trick. There's thousands of them out there. There's thousands of them in Canada. So you got to sort through them. So how do you do that? Now, I may not be able to get through all the details of how we do it, but um, that's our job. Now, David comes to us. I think he joined uh, Dynamic in 2002, if I'm not mistaken, David. And that's correct. Uh, he became the, the vice president in 2018 because of the all the value he brought to that firm and, and recognition that he deserved. And I think that what we're going to get treated to today is we'll start to understand exactly what they saw is what we see, but it goes deeper than that too. See, we can go and we can go into all of his his credentials. He graduated with distinction. And if I if I'm pronouncing the name of the college right, is it Babson College? Yes. In in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, in 1988, you know, and I don't think I, I say to people when they look at my credentials and I say, you know, it's alphabet soup after my name. What's it's the experience. It's what we actually, it's what, what we've done more so than what we did and what we do. And, uh, and that's the key. And here's what I love about David. When he talks, when we listen to him, what you'll see right away is that there's a lot of common sense in what he talks about. And that's what we want to do is build. It's not, you know, it's, <laughs> I listen to some things about, uh, you know, computer-driven, AI-driven investment selections and things like that. You know, it's it's it takes way more than that. It takes a, a somebody to go out there and be able to diagnose a, a business, and uh, one of our listeners understands that too. In order to buy a business, you got to go out there and actually sit down with people and shake their hands and learn what they're actually doing, not just guessing and basing things off their numbers. Okay, so this is what David does. Uh, and he drills that down quite nicely for us. But the other thing that we got to talk about, and I think that David, when we look at our stable of managers, which is very short, we've only got that we focus on, we've got six managers that we focus on, and we, we're, we're in touch with all of them. And I got to say, David's at the top. 
don't say that too loud because the other ones are important too, but David's at the top. And when you look back at the, our, our former stable, because I've been at this for 38 years, I've had to, unfortunately, we had to send some of them off, off to pasture because they're getting old and some of them are just went off to pasture on their own, but we have to replace managers as well. And this is what's, what's critical. But I, I'd like to use a couple of analogies here. One of my analogies is, is when, when we get into situations like we're in right now, I say to folks, listen, if you, you, know, you own your home and if you valued your home every day, like we value investments every day and your house went up and then it went down 10 or 15% or 20%, would you sell your home? People say that's ridiculous. Mm, yeah, it is ridiculous, especially if that's a good home and you want to live there and everything else. And you know, and you're not, you're not selling it, so you're not crystallizing that loss or anything. And if you're, if the home was, you know, a solid structure and it's a good place to live and it's a great location and all that, kind of, why are you selling it, right? The same thing with investments, okay? And this is where it, where David brings that stability. But we have to understand why a portfolio manager is doing what they're doing and how what the effects of what they're doing affects you know your your uh, not your performance but certainly where it is at a present moment in time and it makes sense and that's part of the strategy the second thing is, is you could have the best manager and I, i'd also sticking with uh, the whole home ownership and buildings and things like that you can buy the best building products and um, uh, if you don't have a good contractor they could ruin those really good building products if you know what i'm saying so what, 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 where we come in, where HSI comes in is, is that we're the financial planner. We're the contractor. We're the ones that brings it together. We don't go ahead and invest your money before we develop a financial plan for you, a solid plan. Then we fit the, 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 the uh, portfolio with the plan, the philosophy with the plan. So we're making sure that we're congruent with our philosophies here. So uh, it could be J.P. Chevalier, who we interviewed here several months ago, as you recall, Patrice and um, David Fingold's philosophy. Does it match ours? Are we comfortable with that? Is it something that we're, we can bring to, or we're not, we're not ashamed to bring it out. David has come out and spoke to our clients many times in the past. And we're pretty pleased with that. Uh, what oftentimes what happens at the end of our, our presentation, I remember the last one that we did and people come up to me afterwards after David had spoken and they said, we want to put everything in David's, in, in David's portfolio. And uh, of course we caution them there because it's not, you know, David's shaking his head in agreement with us here that that's not necessarily the best way to go. But here's what also is interesting. David's money is 100% in his portfolio. Is that correct, David? I have uh, no long-term investments other than the funds I manage, no equities other than the funds that I manage, and a significant part of my compensation is invested in units, the funds that I manage, and then locked up for at least three years. So, so in Mr. Buffett's words, we eat our own cooking. Exactly. But that's for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for there, I, I wouldn't recommend that any other client be in one manager, but I eat my own cooking. Yeah. And that's important. And I see, I, I, I talked to a lot of managers over the years and that's not the case with many of them. Okay. So I think that's something that we can kind of take to bed with us and feel good about too at the same time. So, so anyways, before we get started, what we're going to do, what I want to do is I just want to come up with some questions in terms of what you're, how you're posturing to take advantage of the situation right now. But it, really, it's no different than in any other time like this. What clients don't recognize is that this is when managers do their best work. Mm -hmm. 
It's not when, when things are, everything's going up and you could throw a dart at a dartboard and you're going to make money. This is when they do their best work, but there's a strategy to it. It's not, it's not, this isn't something that, that, well, let's just say for the faint of heart or the AI to take care of for us. We need somebody that's done it before. David's done it before, but understanding the, the strategy and again, certainly the philosophy and then what happens Well, David is executing. So if you can, if you can go into a, an explanation on that, David, we'd appreciate that. Well, I think that, um, you know, what we do, and I think you touched on it earlier, is we try to buy great businesses when they're on sale. And we try to invest in businesses where we think that there's a strong long-term story for the business's growth opportunity. Frequently, we're invested in family-controlled businesses. So we have other people who are eating their own cooking who also own the equity. Uh, that tends to be true with our small and medium-sized companies, of which we have some investments. With the larger companies, as you know, it's very unusual to have a founder or a family in control. But even in those instances, we will look to whether the management owns the equity. Uh, because I think this whole business of, of eating one's own cooking is important because other people's money causes uh, people to have a different discipline than when they have to go home and explain the business decisions they've made to their families. So we like to see that uh, co-ownership by management and even better, we like founders and we like family control. Then the other thing we have to do is we have to assess what the risk environment is. So obviously I think that everybody has noted that our uh, economy has been slowing since the beginning of the year. I think that everybody has noted that we met the formal definition of a bear market down 20% for the averages at one point this year, and we have yet to escape that bear market. So we're against that backdrop. When that volatility rose, we moved to take more defensive positions within our portfolios. Uh, there are not a lot of managers who are willing to hold cash within an equity fund, but I don't know how to make money on something that's going down. And uh, we were forced to raise cash in our global dividend fund, for example, to over 30% while we go through this volatility. When I look at the moderate the term picture, where we had a peak in speculation in March of 2021, that was the peak in cryptocurrencies, SPACs, and meme stocks, then a peak in the overall averages at the end of December of 2021. And we're now 11 months into this corrective process for the averages and a much longer period than that for speculation. We are also starting to think about how this comes to an end. The bull markets, as you know, are a lot more fun than the bear markets. The, the bear markets are the ones that we tend to remember. Pain seems to create more lasting memories than pleasure. But we need to be objective here and remember the good times last a lot longer than the bad times and that this will end. And it's been going on for a pretty long time. I think it's entirely possible. And I know you didn't ask for forecasts, but I could see how the economy could bottom in the middle of 2023 and the market is likely to look forward. And that means the market that is the averages could be bottoming early next year, perhaps in the second quarter. The market's going to look forward. So we do have cash, but we also have investments. If we, you know, today we are at about 20% cash. We did put some money to work when we found bargains earlier in the summer. 
And we think that we're not going to get fully invested until the economy is starting to do better. And and, and I think it is going to do better by the second quarter of next year. In fact, I'd say the more difficult things are in the short term, the easier the comparisons are, and the more likely we accelerate out of it. So we're thinking about being conservative right now, but to quote our founder, Ned Goodman, who we unfortunately lost quite recently, he said that he is an optimist because he never met a rich pessimist. And even when we're expressing some pessimism by having a cash position, we are always thinking optimistically three to five years out about what we should own. And Ned would also say that in a bear market, the seeds of the leadership of the next bull market are sown, and that it's very important for us today to be thinking about what could be the leadership as we look out three to five years. And we're active managers because it changes. Ned would always say that the leaders of the prior cycle are almost never the leaders of the next cycle. So the industries that led during the 2010s perhaps will not be the industries that lead during the 2020s. So we have to maintain an open mind and we have to be thinking about the opportunities of the future, which is a very different position than owning an index fund where, to be blunt, they are loaded up with the ideas that worked over the prior decade. I think that I think the lesson here, too, is that that you know, I'm listening to David's point about the cash that he holds and the things that discourages me about uh, what I do and I've done for years is when we get into when we get into situations like we're in right now and the opportunities that present themselves and people think that it's a good idea that they hold off that they don't invest and uh, my point is like I like uh, the message I like I want people to really hear and, and grasp today is that that don't take the reins out of the manager's hands I mean uh, what David's saying is is that he knows for one thing he's not timing the markets anybody that tries to time the market is going to miss it most of the time so you're going to miss, you're going to lose, you're going to lose that opportunity. You're going to miss it by a long shot. I've seen this over and over and over again. I've been through a lot of crashes and recessions and, and corrections and all that good stuff. And I hear the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm saying to people, listen, you got to listen to what we're saying. Listen to what David's saying. This is what he does. This is what he does all day long. He's posturing us to take advantage of what's going on right now. If this all makes sense to you, then we got to stick with it. Okay. So if we, if we want to take advantage of, of the opportunity in, in March of 2020, which we certainly did, uh, reflects where we are today with people that did what we asked them to do in March of 2020 because they got a huge bump. So what we're, getting, what's, we're going to happen again over and over again. It's going to happen, like you're saying, in the next two or three years again, but it's going to happen sooner than that. We're already starting to see it. We're going to, I, in my well, opinion, we, we I are think- absolutely, we are seeing the new leadership in the market flesh itself mm-hmm. out because if we dial back to what was going on 20 years ago, mm-hmm. when the technology media and telecom bubble was deflating mm-hmm. as those companies were going down to their lows from March of 2000 up until October, 2002, The companies that were making up the new leadership, the ones that performed during the 2000s, and many of you will remember that as a good era for mining, oil and gas, financial services, those industries were not making new lows. They were at worst going sideways during that time period from 2000 up until late 2002, where the averages were moving down. 
So, you know, it is if you are an active manager and you can avoid where the trouble is within the market, you can preserve capital with a cash cushion and also position yourself into the leadership. We think that there is a situation right now where there may have been too much of the market concentrated in technology perhaps also an internet catalog retailing. So, um, you know, there's a very well-known company called Amazon. There's a lot of market cap tied up in some businesses where they're laying people off. They've canceled their expansions. They're saying business isn't very good. There's also some industries that are showing tremendous leadership by actually making money for you, or at least going sideways in the current environment, including oil and gas, healthcare, defense capital goods, and these may form part of the new leadership. And if it's like the prior patterns that we saw during prior bear markets, then the leadership groups may at worst go sideways, maybe down a little, and then they'll be well positioned for when the uh, the market starts going up. And that is what I think is, is going on here. The people made a lot of miscalculations about the future. They thought we didn't need the, the extractive industries. All we have to do is go to the gas pump. All we have to do is to go buy food or go buy building products. And we can see that, uh, you know, in many cases, we've seen much higher prices in those industries. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, a lot of people forgot completely about healthcare, And I think we've all been uh, reminded really the hard way about the importance of that space. And nobody's getting any younger. You know, and finally, in the area of defense capital goods, we thought there would be peace in our time, but people like uh, Kim Jong-un, Ayatollah Khamenei, Vladimir Putin, and Xi Jinping have sent a very different message. And now you've seen all the Western democracies agree to raise their defense spending to 2% of GDP. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there, there's a growth opportunity that comes from those things that would otherwise be perceived of as negative. So what we try to do is be emotionless, just think about where there will be opportunities. Another area that excites us is, as you know, there have been many blackouts in places in North America. There's investment going into the electrical grid and there are companies that either provide the services or provide the products uh, for doing that. There's actually a very long list of, of industries that are prospective, but they may not be the industries that investors were completely focused on in the 2010s. And I would throw in another Ned Goodman quote, which is to look forward, not backward. You know, don't be in a rowboat looking backward. And also, you don't need to win the money back on the horses you lost it on. So as much as I remember everybody talking a lot about Northern Telecom during the 2000s, mm-hmm. they probably should have been talking, you know, about Potash Corporation and Suncor, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking forward to the new leadership. And I think that's, you know, where we are today. And, you know, a lot of money was invested in some of those excessively in the technology space. And I can see how that money can rotate elsewhere where there's more of a future for that money, where the, where investments simply did not take place uh, during the last decade. It's usually the areas of underinvestment, things people forgot about. And oil and gas would be a great example. Mm-hmm. If the, you underinvest, you then create a shortage. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that a lot of people think that everybody's going to drive electric cars, and they could be right. But whether they do or don't, that has nothing to do with what we the other things we need from oil and gas, because mm-hmm. all of our plastics, many of our fertilizers, 
drug ingredients, food additives, you know, the, the coatings, paint, the list of things that come from oil and gas are, are an incredibly long list. And everybody yeah. just gets really negative when they think, oh my God, everybody will drive an electric car and they forget, okay, that's only some of the demand for oil mm-hmm. and gas. Yeah. David yeah. Patrice here with a question. Sure. You just, you've both mentioned opportunities and you just mentioned being negative. Does optimism feed a manager's ability to see opportunities? There's no question about it. There's a real argument to be made that pessimism is dangerous. And, you know, as somebody who has has raised cash, and to my knowledge, there's really been only three managers in our industry in Canada that's been fully invested, then up to 40% cash, then back to fully invested. They were me, Peter Kundal, and Jerry Coleman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry's retired, Peter passed away, and you're stuck listening to me. And I guess that uh, the word I use when we've raised cash, I don't know if I want to say pessimistic. Some people can say it. I'd say concerned. I'd say conservative. But it is an important part of our process to say that we're not running a money market fund here. You know, the bias should be against holding the cash. The bias should be in favor of optimism. So we're going to be really open-minded because we don't want to sit in the cash. The reason why I mentioned three people is the ones that went over 40% cash were not able to shift towards optimism and get fully invested. So when I've been over 30, I know that it can hit 40 really quickly during a correction. So we are out shopping. We are looking for best-in-class businesses. And anybody who's been in the market for long enough will know that it's during bear markets where you really get the chance to invest in anything you want. And the greatest companies in the world could be selling for much lower prices than they were selling at during the bull market. So part of our discipline is we just won't let the cash get out of hand and we'll invest in the companies we always admired. And then we need to make sure, obviously, that the story hasn't changed and that they still have the same opportunities in front of them in the future uh, that, that they did in the past. And certainly when I go back and look at March of 2020 and what we got to buy under those circumstances, what we got to buy during December 2018 or at the end of 2015, what we got to buy in 2011 and 2008, great buying opportunities are created during corrections in bear markets. And that's what the cash is for. The only thing we're waiting for to put all the cash to work is more of a green light from capital markets. And we monitor credit markets very carefully. Credit is the life's blood of the economy. We have seen some improvements in credit since the middle of the summer, which is the reason why we moved cash down from 30% to 20. If credit markets continue to improve, and if the economy continues to perform better than expected, then we'll put more cash to work. But I also want to be clear that I care about capital preservation. And if bad things happen, we'll do what we have to do. You know, I mentioned earlier that I think the economy bottoms in the middle of next year. It's not a heroic projection. People mm-hmm. like David Rosenberg or for that, you know, well-known yeah. economists have done the same kind of math in terms of when they think the economy will bottom. Everybody's in agreement that the markets tend to look forward. So the bottom on the market will come first. A lot of people will look to that bottom on the market and say the market is wrong. 
and they'll miss that the market doesn't know the difference between good and bad. It only knows better or worse. And if it's better, in other words, better than feared, then the market can go up. Worse is a problem. So we need to be humble and be abreast of what is going on. I'm not going to tell you the economy's strong. There is a vulnerability. If there was another 9-11 or Gulf War right now, that could lead to a further correction. But if that, if that does not happen, we may not need to correct further. The only thing I would say about it that I think is important is we don't know what to call this. So if we go back to 2020, we call it the COVID crisis. If we went back to 2008, we would mention the global financial crisis. In 2002, we mentioned Enron and WorldCom, maybe Tyco. In 1998, we mentioned LTCM. Uh, 1994, with that bear market, people talked about Orange County and about the second Mexican default. We don't have a name for this yet. It's only, you know, this can't end until we've named it. <laughs> so we, we could be in the latter innings of the game, but, it, the, but this game is not over. We have not named it yet. I think that, that's a very important point as well. Uh, so I think eventually it's going to get a name and it does regardless. It's, it's just, it's the same picture show, just a different audience, different, different actors and, and so on. Uh, but if I have, can make a, but an important point, Wes, is yeah. that the leadership already articulates itself long before the game is over. Mm -hmm. So you'll, you know, I think we talked about how uh, the, the leadership names, the things that performed during the 2000s did not make new lows during 2001, 2002. The same thing happened in 2008. I mean, the, 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 the Lehman Brothers and uh, AIG situation was at the end of September 2008. And a lot of people don't know that the average stock bottomed on November 20th. So if you were buying starting November 20th, you really didn't experience a lot of pain unless you bought the averages. If you bought an index fund loaded with the financials that were at the center of the crisis, mm -hmm. you made new lows going into March of 09. Mm -hmm. But uh, in, in, so in that end game, before we name it, there is a risk of losing money in the averages in a pretty significant way. There's a much lower risk of losing money on a permanent basis in good businesses while well, you're getting into the latter innings of that game. And that's um, why we have, that's why we have you though. Uh, we're not buying the markets. We're not buying yeah. indexes. We're buying companies. And I think this is the, this is what we, we miss so often because I get calls, you know, it's not a regular basis, but occasionally, well, what, what do you think about the markets West? And I don't really pay that much. Well, I do pay attention to them to a certain degree because everybody else is. And I know I'm going to get the question. But we're, we're not invested in the markets. Our portfolio managers, like David, aren't invested in the markets. They're invested in companies. And that's I have message. always been, I've always found that interesting, especially in the insurance channel, because as everybody knows, insurance contracts have a lot of features that are, that are very unique in terms mm -hmm. of the, you know, if properly underwritten extra mortality protection, some principal protection, some creditor protection. So everything is working for you. Oh. So my recommendation is to take a long-term view because you've paid, you know, because you've paid a tiny bit extra to get a whole bunch of protection 
uh, and it should really allow investors to think about the future. Mm-hmm. So I would be, uh, so look, I'm not recommending anybody go all in. I'm saying this will end and the good yeah. times are going to come again. But mm-hmm. if you want to pick a way and you want a dollar cost average, especially when you have the extra features within insurance and you can, th- you, you know, and you've got something that allows you to think long-term, look again, obviously that's with a proper consultation with an advisor. Is this good for you? Mm-hmm. In my case, I'm I'm doing this naked. I own the underlying fund, but that being said, I am eating my own cooking and I've got a cash cushion through the fund, but you're actually in a privileged position as an insurance client. Yeah, you're well with the, with the product exactly. You have the guarantees. There's there's more that you you've described a few of them, but nonetheless, and I, like I say, you need that many plan. more. Yeah, and you need the financial plan. I mean, you know, I don't care if you, if it's an insurance product, if it's a mutual fund, if it's a stock, or whatever the case, whatever it is, you start with the financial plan, and then you then you match the plan to the investment strategy, and not the other way around. Because then you're, what you're doing is just shooting off into the abyss, and you're always looking for the best possible investment. And you know, you always get the question. So, what's your rate of return been? My my response to that often when I get that question is, is what's yours been? Uh, and most people don't know. They don't know what they need, so they they they, they invest blindly too. Um, but they're always chasing returns, 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 and not looking at the strategy to get them to where they need to be. What do I need? So if I know what I need, I don't have to expose myself to unnecessary risk. And if I can match that up with a good manager, oof, that's that's a recipe for success. That's what it's all about, as far from what we can see. Well, I got I got one more question for David. I'm going to throw it out there. You know, one of my biggest concerns is, like I say, the, the consumer is staying on the sidelines and, and thinking that they've got the answers to the to the, uh, the, the well. And if they do, then some of them do. Then stick with it. But if you're looking for people that have done this for a very long time, both Dave and I have done this for a very long time. I've uh, you know doing the financial planning and so on and matching up portfolio managers, the ones that Jerry Coleman, Jerry Javasky, Peter Kundle. They were all in my stable at one point in time or another. These are the kind of people that we we kind of stick with. But nonetheless, we've done it before. We see you through these things. And uh, yeah, it, it's an uncomfortable, you know, at this present moment in time. But why is it uncomfortable? It's uncomfortable because Jerry's doing his job. He, when he's buying these companies that he wants, he's buying them on the way down. He's doing the dollar cost averaging really for you, for, for that matter. Most of our clients are bringing us large, larger lump sums of money and they're saying to us, well, you know, should we put it in right now? Well, yeah, we, we should put it in right now and let this manager do his job. That's the thing. So what's your advice? How do you want to leave this, David? The, the well, my session? advice to everybody is to be optimistic about the future. And the reason why I say it is just think about the alternative. So we've been through a year where there's been some heck of a lot of bad news. I mean, China firing missiles off the coast of Taiwan, war in Eastern Europe, the most inflation that we have seen since the 1970s. It's hard to think what more may happen. And, you know, and I think back to a, a story about a young floor trader, uh, first day on the job on the New York Stock Exchange during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, uh, you know, he said to a supervisor, what do we do? The world could come to an end. And a supervisor said, we buy, because if the world doesn't come to an end, then we don't, you know, if the world comes to an end, we don't have to meet a margin call. So I do think that 
I don't want to say that the difficult times are over. I think that they're going to end. They always end. The good times always last longer than the bad times. The bad times only feel like they last as long as they do. Uh, The world is going to be a better place. The problems we have are going to get solved. You know, if if you're concerned about inflation, what has worked in the past is the companies that solve the problem of inflation. Either they save money on energy or they help produce lower cost energy. And uh, the other thing I think that people lose sight of when they get focused on the economy and on macroeconomics and geopolitics is there's still companies that are innovating and making major changes that are making the world better. I mean, I briefly mentioned healthcare earlier, and there have been amazing discoveries. And, and these companies are inexpensive because of what's going on within the stock market. We own companies in, in diabetes care, like in Eli Lilly, where they're uh, GIP drugs, which made tremendous impacts on, uh, on type 2 diabetics. Uh, on, unsurprising, on a surprising basis, produced a substantial weight loss. So now they're uh, being tested as weight loss drugs, and, and they're meeting the endpoints. And they're achieving weight loss on medicine equal to that was only available before on surgery. And people who are in the trials who are pre-diabetic are not uh, moving forward to diabetes. And people are, who are on the trials are seeing improved cardiovascular health. Um, you know, so th- there's major discoveries. I think that everybody keeps on, uh, you know, they forget about that. They forget that one of the things that can pay off in investing is inventing the new technologies that are going to uh, to make the future better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could have just as soon mentioned, you know, uh, uh, Merck with respect to its vaccine business, which, you know, appears to have practically el- eliminated uh, certain forms of, of of cancer that are tied to the HPV virus. And I think that the other reason why I'd mention healthcare is because you have a tendency to win two ways. One of them is it's one of the three best performing industries of the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that during bear markets, it outperforms in the worst case by going down less. So it's a very interesting risk reward. The point that I'm making is that if you think the world's going to come to an end, you need to talk to you know a, a priest, a minister, a bartender. But if the world doesn't come to an end, there's a lot of opportunities. And uh, I think we should all be optimistic. But we should also be conservative. You know, if you if if an investment is too risky, then uh, you may not get to your destination. So we're optimistic, we're conservative, and I think that makes it possible for us to get to our destination. As I mentioned earlier, I eat my own cooking. My clients are literally my partners. They'll have the exact same experience that I do, except I imagine my clients are more than one manager, and I do not. So I know that we've discussed many, many topics. It's important to remember that, you know, this isn't just hot air coming out of my mouth. This is how I've positioned my own money. I may, I may be wrong if I'm wrong, but I come by it honestly. My ideas are backed up by my own money. So anyway, yeah. uh, thank you. Yeah, no, but, and I think too, what needs to be said is that when you talk about optimism and pessimism, <laughs> there's always going to be another crisis and, 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 and there's, we're all there around the world. There's always something happening. There always will be something happening. So 
it is not going to be this day like that, that optimism isn't about be, being um, an idealist that this will all come to an end and in the world all get together and shake hands and we'll all be you know friends and family that ain't going to happen so there's always going to be something that's going on in our world and it could be it could be uh, natural disasters too which we've seen over and over again as well so it's it's about being optimistic about how we're taking care of it, how we're strategizing and and thinking about those. I remember years ago, people you know, we were talking about the the dollar. Uh, this goes back quick, during the Quebec referendums, and uh, I spoke on that several times. In fact, and I remember saying to people that look at if 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 all of a sudden your dollar is worth absolutely nothing, we're then we are all in the same boat. So then we need to be trading chickens and we'd be raising chickens in our backyard because that's what's going to keep us alive at that point in time. But anyways, with that said, we want to thank you, David, for joining us today. I know you're a busy guy and and, uh, we really do appreciate this. Uh, Hopefully we can drag you out again to something like this or even in person when everything, everybody's feeling comfortable about uh, getting together again. I, I, I know I certainly am. And and uh, so we're, we're, we're starting to do more of these live events and we've got people coming out, but they're still nervous. People are still nervous. I get that. I understand that we've got the experience in it. It's not our first rodeo. We've been down this road. So like I said, it's just got a different name to it. We'll get you through it. We'll, we'll have a plan that a strategy and a plan, a financial plan, a blueprint that uh, we can take it to the bank and say, yes, that, that I, I've got, what I need. And I can, if I have more than enough than what I need, then I don't have to take unnecessary risk. That's what we do. That's what we look for in our blueprints in, in uh, our financial planning uh, scheme. So Patrice, have you got anything else, words of wisdom that you're going to share with us before we close this session today? I am simply going to say, I enjoyed this a lot, very much. David, thank you so much. It was a great discussion. And well, I'm also going to cut you a break, Wes, by saying mm-hmm. information on ways to contact Wes can be found in the show notes for this podcast episode. Oh, because you thought I was going to... I had it all ready here. I had it all written down. Um, David, we go through this every episode. Yeah. All right. Thanks for for that, buddy. Uh, (laughs) Don't forget to follow this podcast. And of course, share with others. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Your Finances Know You Can, the show that teaches you what you don't know about your finances. Have questions about topics covered during the show? Visit hsifinancial.com, email us at clientcare at hsifinancial.com, or give us a call at 403-269-4640 or 1-888-816-7020. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted does not represent any consumer or individual. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor, qualified financial planner, or qualified service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.